Tonight's scripture comes from Ephesians 5, chapters 17 through 21, or verse 17 through 21. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Welcome, everyone, to our service this evening. Tonight's a little different because I'm standing on the stage. So I'm a little nervous. I'll just be up front with you. It's been a few years since I've spoken from the stage. And I'm going to be speaking tonight on all things of the filling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, who could ask for a more controversial topic, right? But I'm going to take a little different twist on it. So uh, we hope that you've experienced the presence of the Spirit through the singing and that you'll experience the presence of the Spirit through the preaching of the Word. So I'm not going to go with any slides tonight because I'm new to this and I didn't know how to put it all together or even want to start. So we're going without a net. And that's a phrase that I picked up from a teaching that I listened to that Brooks did. And I'm listening to this teaching and, and he couldn't get the slides to work and he was frustrated and he said, oh, forget it, we're going to go without a net. And I thought, who's a net? I don't know a net. <laughs> so that means we're going without a safety net, without the slides and, uh, and we're just going to wing it, and I'm going to depend on my notes, which you can't see, and that's just fine, so you'll have to follow along that way. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you know, we know a lot about all the members of the Trinity. Um, we know about the Father because we understand the image that God gave us of God as a Father, because we have fathers. We understand Jesus as the son, some of us have sons, some of us are sons, some of us have brothers. So those are more concrete examples. And so we can, you know, we can get our arms around those to, to a degree. But the spirit, how do we get our arms around the spirit? You know, I think for that, it's one of the reasons why he's one of the more misunderstood members of the Trinity. But I'm going to go through some of the verses that talk about the spirit and the work of the spirit. And just to give you a an idea of the layout for tonight. We're going to talk about the Spirit in general, just to plow the ground and, and get, get it soft, get us thinking in line with the Word as far as the Spirit goes. And then we're going to be talking about experiencing the Spirit through the Word. And then we're going to talk about experiencing the Spirit through prayer. And then we're going to spend some time praying toward the end of the service. And then I'm going to pray and we're going to end and we're going to eat a, a, a delicious banquet tonight. So let's pray. Father, we ask you uh, through your spirit to prepare our hearts for your word. Lord, prepare our hearts for what you call the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Lord, give me grace to speak the word accurately with passion and with truth and give us all ears to hear what the spirit would say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are several verses that talk about 
in the New Testament that talk about the Spirit uh, and give analogies about what the Spirit is like or what He does or how we can relate to Him. One is being filled with the Spirit that we saw in our verse tonight from uh, Ephesians 5. There's the verse from Galatians 5 that talks about walking in step with the Spirit. There's in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon the church and the crowd there thought that they had been drinking. And so we understand the Spirit to be something that takes over, that, that influences our, our behavior and our thinking and our speech. So being under the influence of the Spirit is one of the analogies the Word gives us. Being baptized with the Spirit. John came and he said, I baptize you with, with water, but there is coming one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So there's this idea of being baptized. Baptism is a unique word because it's transliterated from the Greek into English, and so it makes it difficult for us to really get our arms around it sometimes. But baptism, and I'm going to use this word a lot tonight, baptism basically means being immersed, being dunked, being submerged, which is why we do water baptism when we submerge, when we do that here at Grace. It's what we do with our dishes when we wash them. It's what we do when we go swimming. We dive in. We're fully immersed. And so that's the image I want you to be thinking about when you think of the Holy Spirit and as I talk about him tonight. So being filled, well, other analogies that the, the word gives us are things, uh, it describes the, the Spirit like fire. At Pentecost, what looked like flames of fire came down and rested on everyone's head. The word, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Spirit is compared to water. Um, I forget the reference, so you'll have to remember that on your own. He's compared to the wind when John talks about the wind comes and goes as he pleases. So it is with the Spirit. And these things are, they're fluids. In the scientific world, we think of them as fluids. They fill and they conform to the shape of a vessel. And I think that's fine for us to think about that. We're the vessels. The Holy Spirit fills us. But I want us to take a little different tack. I want us to think of it more in terms of being immersed. So when we think about being filled, that's, that's us being the vessel, and, and we're the first person, and the Spirit is the second person, and, and we're, you know, we're in charge kind of thing. We're the first order of things. But when we're immersed, the Holy Spirit is like, like the ocean, like, the, like a big lake. It's much bigger than us. We're not the first person. When we're immersed, we're surrounded, we're submerged, we're overcome, we're overtaken. That's the image I want you to think of when you think of about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being immersed in the Holy Spirit. I printed double-sided. You'll have to remind me of that. If I'm not following, you know, in the logical sequence, it's because I didn't flip the page. So here's what I'm going to do. Put that on the left, put this on the right like a book. Okay, so hopefully you'll see me turning the pages of the book. So when we think about this image of the Spirit being a large body of water and us being submerged, um, I think of, I like being underwater. I like, I like swimming. Uh, Shirley's parents took the whole family on a cruise a few years ago, and we went snorkeling. I loved snorkeling. You know, it's one thing to look down at the coral and the fish. It's a whole other thing to get down in there and move around among them and chase after the fish. 
it's wonderful to be submerged, but you're, you're overwhelmed, you're overtaken. It's bigger than you. But I like, I like to get wetter. I like, I like water. When we, I like taking a bath. When we moved into our house, <clears throat> there was a bath with a shower in the main, in the main bathroom. And the, the tub came up to about here. And that wasn't, that wasn't all right. We were going to replace the tub, I decided, pretty early on. <clears throat> and so we, we broke that out. That's a whole other experience I'll have to tell you about sometime. You know how hard it is to get a cast iron tub that's enameled in porcelain out of a house? You kind of have to break some things. And so, so that's what we did. It was fun. But uh, I love sitting in the, the new tub that has jets that circulate the water and it's got an inline heater so it keeps the water warm. I like being immersed. I like being immersed in the Holy Spirit. And hopefully so do you. And hopefully after tonight, you'll have a greater desire to want to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. See, when we think about the Holy Spirit filling us and we're the vessel, that kind of makes it look like the Spirit is conforming to us. And that's not how it works. We conform to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the all-powerful member of the Trinity who executes the will of God. He's not a genie in a bottle. He doesn't do our bidding. The Holy Spirit is the interface between us and God. God is otherworldly. He's out there. He's beyond us. And we're here. And Jesus crossed that barrier. He became man. And he showed us how to live. And then he sent us the Spirit. So Jesus said, it's better for you if I go because I'm going to send my Spirit. So an interface, when you think of an interface, think of the CPU in your computer. And it's everything that's going on is going on in there. And you're over here and you're like, how can I interact with this thing going on in here? Well, it's your keyboard and your screen or a touch screen. That's the interface. The Holy Spirit is the interface which allows us over here to interface with God in heaven. And he's, he's, he's to be experienced. He's to be touched. He's to be heard. He's to be all those things that the scripture says that we do with the, with the Holy Spirit. The only thing, the only way we know what we know about God is because God chose to interface with us through the Spirit, through Jesus first and then the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 says this, For who knows the thoughts, who knows a person's thoughts, except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. We know what we know about God and about spiritual things because the Spirit is at work in us. Are you interfacing with God through the Spirit? Is that a daily practice of yours? Do you feel lost and empty when you haven't connected with God through the Spirit? The Spirit of God also moves throughout the earth to bring about his will through creation. One way he does this is to identify men and women who are broken and contrite. 
and who tremble at his word. Isaiah 66 says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. Do you want to be one of those to whom God will look? Be humble and contrite. Tremble at his word. God wants to fill the world through his spirit with a knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Think about that as an immersion picture. I mean, just a pouring out, a covering, like the, like the great flood. He wants to do with his spirit to the earth what he did when he opened up the, the waters of the heavens and the earth and he covered the whole earth with water. He wants to cover the whole earth with glory through his spirit. Do you want to be used by God to bring that about? Then be humble and contrite and tremble at his word. You know, this idea of immersion and, 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 and me not being the center and, and with the Holy Spirit filling me, but the Spirit of God being the big picture, the, the main person of the story, and me being just a little part of that by being immersed. That's, that's what I think about when I think about maturity. Maturity to me is when you remove yourself from the center of the story. You know, we all know that children, when they're young and they're small, they need all the attention that they're asking for, and they get it. But as they grow up, as we grow up, we have to transition out of that position of, I need all the attention. And we have to let somebody else be the center. And that's, that's maturity, in my opinion. Social maturity, mental maturity, physical maturity, spiritual maturity. It's taking ourselves out of the center and let God be in the center. And the role, I believe, of a spiritual leader is to help others understand that and to find their place in God's big picture. And a spiritual leader understands the, spiritual, uh, the spirit of God and allows the spirit of God to work in them and through them to bring that about so that we can be connected with God through the spirit. So that's the Holy Spirit that I want, that's how I want you to think about the Holy Spirit, is this large body of water that you're just totally submerged in and you're carried along by the currents. Have you ever had to swim against the current? Have you ever, have you ever swum, swam? Have you ever tried to swim up, upstream? It's hard. It's hard. And if you're, in a, if you're in the ocean and you're in a current, it's better to understand where the current is going and agree to go with it. And that's what God's asking us to do. Let him be the center. Let him have the authority. One of the ways we become immersed in the spirit of God is through the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Colossians 3 says, Let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Ephesians 5 that we saw tonight says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have these two parallel passages, one from Colossians and one from Ephesians. One says, be filled with the Spirit, and then God goes on to talk about addressing one another psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So the other says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's a parallel. There's a, there's a connection here. The word, letting the word of God dwelling in you richly is one way of being filled with the Spirit. They go together. They have, that has to happen. You can't claim to be under the influence of the Spirit. You can't claim to be immersed in the Spirit if you don't have the Word of God active in your life on every level. And the more levels that you have it active in your life, the more immersed you are and the more influence the Holy Spirit has. Being immersed in the Spirit looks like th- these chapters where these verses came from. Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4 and 5 talk all about what it means to live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. That's what it means to be immersed in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, to let the Word of God dwell in you richly. All of those things about putting off the old nature, putting off the flesh, and putting on our new nature and the things that are from heaven, that's what it means to be immersed in the Spirit. Okay, we're good. So how do we immerse ourselves in the Word? We read it regularly, or we listen to it regularly, or we listen to songs that are filled with the Word of God, or hymns that are filled with the Word of God, or spiritual songs that are filled with the Word of God, and we let those go over and over and over in our minds. Do you know that you're always playing some kind of track in your mind, a visual track and or an audio track or both? There is always something going on in your mind. That's natural. That's who we are. And it's important for us to quiet that sometimes. But it's more important to recognize that it exists and choose what it is you're going to play. And that's a hard thing because our natural man, our sinful nature, is definitely drawn in one direction. And we all understand that, I trust. We have to choose to go in another direction. We have to choose to have the Word of God be part of our daily experience because we read it, because we memorize it, because we share it with one another, because we sing it. And when those things are happening, then the Spirit of God can speak to us. It can reveal truths to us that we wouldn't otherwise know about. Things about ourselves, things about the people around us, things about the world around us. Being immersed in the Spirit means being immersed in the Word of God. So I just want to encourage us. When we greet one another, let's greet one another with the Word. When we ask how one another's doing, Let's ask how we can be praying for one another or what, what scriptural truth we would like to see developed in our lives that we can ask for prayer for. Those, those kinds of things. Let the word of God be part of our daily vocabulary, be common in how we interact with one another. 
<clears throat> I'm beginning to think that I printed the wrong version. Pretty sure I did, but that's okay. Because I've been praying for the last several days that God would speak through me, and it might not be on the paper, but I can still remember the things that were on my heart. Yep, this goes over here. Okay. Now that I've determined that that's what happened, that we did, I did print the wrong version, I will continue. So, what version of the Bible do you use? Do you think it matters? I think it is important to have a good, accurate version, but I think it's good also to, to vary that from time to time and, and bring a refreshment to your experience with the Word. If you've been reading the Word for years and years and years and, and memorizing the Word for years and years, it's good to bring some newness into that and even compare versions and, and give yourself an opportunity to understand it from a little different angle. <clears throat> so there's a study of the Word of God which is important in being immersed in the Word of God. But the most important thing, the thing I hope I leave you with about this subject, this, this part of this tonight, being immersed in the Word, is we have to obey it. Being immersed in the Word means obeying the Word of God. It means reading it with a heart to obey. It means reading it, asking the question. There are, there are good questions that you can ask when you read the word studying it. You know, who was it written to? When was it written? Some of those things. But the most important thing you need to ask yourself is what should I do as a result of what I've read? When you obey the word of God, you begin to go deep. Because when you uh, read the word with a heart to obey, you're going to have experiences that you've, you can't explain. Supernatural experiences. Meeting somebody that you haven't seen for years or, or uh, being willing to say hi to somebody that you don't know and, and you, God moves you to interact with them and, and something very phenomenal comes up. There's just, there's just no end to the experiences that you will have when you choose to read the word with a heart to obey and then as you do it. Then you will be interfacing with God through the Spirit because His Word was given to you through the Spirit and the understanding was given to you by the Spirit and the power to obey it was given to you by the Spirit and you become immersed. And it becomes natural over time. And you'll understand, you'll be like David. He said, I, how I love your law, O Lord. I meditate on it all day long. It makes me wiser than even my teachers. And you'll, you'll, you'll attain a level of understanding and wisdom about yourself and about the world around you that you wouldn't have otherwise when you choose to obey. So choose to be immersed in the Spirit of God by being immersed in the Word of God and realize that being immersed in the Word of God means obeying the Word of God. Now we're going to talk about being immersed in the Spirit through prayer. And prayer is... Prayer is a challenging thing. Prayer is better caught than taught. And that's why we're going to spend some time tonight praying at the end of our, our time here. That's why we're going to, um, 
That's why what I'm going to do is I'm just going to relate some of my own experiences with prayer, and we're going to look at some scriptural uh, experiences with prayer, and hopefully through those, the Spirit will ignite in you a desire to pray, an under, a better understanding of what prayer is and how you can participate in prayer more fully. So, um, one of my earliest experiences with prayer uh, as a non-believer is when I was in high school. And uh, I grew up in a church that was very formal and uh, you know, the prayers were all determined ahead of time and everybody knew them and they were all memorized and, and I can tell you them today. And, and that's a good thing and I'm thankful for it. But I was alarmed one night when I came home in high school and my, my dad was up. My dad usually wasn't up when I came home because I usually came home kind of late in high school. And I said, Dad, you know, where are you going? And he said, There's, um, I signed up to participate in a prayer chain at church, but I'm really tired. And, and my mom was up too, and they were discussing whether he should go or not. And, and um, I said, hey, I'll go in your place. And so I went and participated in this prayer meeting that was very unique to my experience um, because it wasn't the memorized prayers. It wasn't what I, what I was used to in the church that I grew up in. But what I came away from with that is the idea, the understanding that, you know, these people say prayer is important. This demonstrated to me that prayer is important to, their, to them. So I came away believing prayer was important. Now, I didn't do a whole lot with it for several years, because I was not a believer. I was still pursuing my own selfish lifestyle. But when I became a believer as a freshman in college, the body of believers that I was born again into was passionate about prayer. And they prayed all the time. I mean, I'm, there were prayer chains going um, that people, on a regular basis, like at least once a month, there were prayer meetings once a month where the whole church would come together and we would pray for hours. There were prayer meetings throughout the week. There was always opportunity to, prayer, to pray. And, and that's how I learned how to pray. I caught it. It wasn't in a teaching, although I've heard very many good teachings about prayer. But <clears throat> I saw it demonstrated in the lives of the people that I respected. And I wanted that experience of the Holy Spirit through prayer. When I was a sophomore in college and I was trying to decide what, what to do for the summer between my sophomore and junior year, my parents really wanted me to come home because my dad was self-employed and I worked for him and he was depending on me for, uh, to help him out with work. But I really wanted to stay with the church that I was part of at college and, and continue to be involved with the body of believers. And I was really torn. They were both good things. I wanted one much more than the other, but I was torn and I, I knew that I needed an answer from God. I couldn't make a decision. I couldn't make, how do I put this? I could easily make the wrong decision, but I did not want to make the wrong decision. In order to make sure that I made the right decision, I, know, I knew I needed to pray. So I prayed. I was, this was probably the first time that I can recall where I really was desperate before God in prayer because I needed an answer and it needed to be the right answer or things could go really wrong in one direction or another either in my life by being separated from the body of believers or in my dad's business and my relationship with my family. So I prayed a lot. I prayed until I heard from God. I, I thought of the example of Jacob 
when Jacob uh, met God on the mountain and he prayed, and they prayed all night, and he wrestled with God, it says there. And God had to break Jacob, and God had to break me. And God gave me an answer. It was, I, I received a clear answer from the Lord as a result of that time of prayer, that there was hours and days of prayer. But there came, there came a point where there was a breakthrough, and I knew what I needed to do. I needed to go home and be with my family. I did not want to do that. It went against what I wanted, but I had determined to submit my will to God and ask him, God, what do you want? I'll do whatever you want. And just like Jacob, God had to bring him to a point, bring me to a point where I was willing to do whatever he wanted. Well, that summer, some amazing things happened in my family, Uh, amazing spiritual things. And I I could tell you some details, but um, I think we're running, I'm running a little long. Being immersed in the Spirit is being immersed in prayer. And being immersed is a scary thing because you're not in control. And that's okay because we trust God. We trust the Spirit of God. We trust the one in whom we're immersed. So dive in. Choose to dive into prayer. And persevere in prayer because you trust God and you trust the Spirit. I think of Abraham and Isaac when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, imagine Abraham's prayer life from that moment on until he went with Isaac with the wood and the fire up to the top of Mount Moriah. What do you think Abraham's prayer life was like in those days and hours? I can assure you, (laughs) he was broken. He was dependent. It was intense. Those are the kind of prayers that I want to be part of. Those are the kind of situations that I want to be in where God, I just have to trust God and say, I don't understand what's going on, and I'll do, but I'll do whatever you say. Like Jesus in the garden, just torn to the deepest parts. Lord, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. I would encourage you to seek after those kinds of times of prayer. Usually God brings them to us when we're in difficult trials, like Abraham was, like Jesus was. And God will bring you into times of difficult trials. And when he does, embrace the Spirit. Become immersed in the Spirit through prayer. Make prayer your heartbeat. Make it your hourly event. You know, if you have, if you have to set a timer on your phone or whatever to remind you, be passionate in it, be persevering in it until you get an answer from God. I think about David when he was out fighting the Philistines and they won the battle against the Philistines but they came back to where they were staying, the town of Ziklag and Ziklag had been attacked by an enemy and everything was destroyed and everything All the buildings were burned and everything of value was taken off. Their families and all their riches. What a time of discouragement. What a time to throw your hands up and say, I quit. But David, it says, knew what it meant to find his strength in God. Can you imagine what David's prayer life was like during that? His own men wanted to kill him. They wanted to leave and and go off and, and, you know, to them it was over. To David, 
It had to come from God. Something had to happen, and it had to come from God. So he prayed. That's the kind of prayer life I want to encourage us to desire. That's the kind of prayer life I want to encourage us to pursue. Think of Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. They had preached, and many had come to know the Lord, and there was great victory in one sense there. But the people turned against him, and they accused him wrongly, and the authorities believed him, beat them, and locked them in prison. And what did they do? They sung hymns and songs to God, and they prayed. They were filled with the Spirit. They were immersed in the Spirit through prayer. That's the kind of example I want to encourage us to pursue. You know, I want to warn us, though, too. Our, our interactions with God are not transactional. It's not a quid pro quo. It's not, God, I'm doing this. See me. See how humble I am? Will you please give me what I want because I'm so broken? Will you please answer my prayer because I've been doing this for hours? It's not like that. Our prayer life is relational, not transactional. But how do we know that God hears our prayers? Sometimes we don't get answers to our prayers. Sometimes we're not even sure that he's listening. Here's one way we can know that our prayers are being heard and will be answered. 1 John 5 says, This is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. <clears throat> if we want confidence that God hears our prayers, we need to know the will of God. How do we know the will of God? Through the word of God. So through the word of God and through praying in the spirit, we become immersed in the spirit and we can have confidence that our prayers are being heard and that they will be answered in his time. I'm going to read a few verses here about prayer and then we're going to start praying. These are, these are examples of, in the scripture of praying and you're probably very familiar with them. But as I read them, I want you to think and ask the Spirit, help me understand how I can apply this in my prayer life, how I can be more like this. <clears throat> Ephesians 6. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end to that end, keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Ephesians 6, verses 18 through 19. Romans 8, 20, uh, verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we ought to pray, I'm sorry, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There we are. Acts chapter 2, describing the believers in the early church. And day by day, 
attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And then again in Acts chapter 4, And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. These are biblical examples about what it means to be immersed in the Spirit through prayer and through the Word. And so my desire for us as a result tonight, of tonight is that you would have a better understanding of the Spirit of God and how we can be immersed in the Spirit of God through being immersed in the Word of God and being immersed in prayer. And I would encourage you to pray that we would become more of a people of prayer, that that would be our heartbeat, that we would, we would be drawn into the communion that we share with the Father through the Spirit in prayer. So uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to gather together in smaller groups, whatever you're comfortable with, four, six, eight, uh, move, the table, move the chairs around, because we're going to have to move those around anyway to put some tables in the middle. So go ahead and make a circle that we can bring some tables into. And there are going to be some prayer requests on the screen that will roll through. So the way, this, uh, the way these are organized is... There are prayers related to being immersed uh, in the Spirit through the Word, and there are prayers that are related to being immersed in the Spirit through prayer. And as they, they scroll up there, just look up every once in a while and see what we're going to be supposed to be praying for. I'll read them to you now, and then we'll separate into our groups. Pray this. Pray that God would give us a desire for His Word which is greater than our desire even for food or other worldly provisions. Matthew 4, 4 says, But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Psalm 19, verses 9 through 10, says, The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. So pray that God would give us a desire for his word, which is greater than our desire, even for food or other worldly provisions. Pray that God would give us grace to delight in his word as our first source of fulfillment and perceive all other delights in light of his word. Psalm 119.47 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day, for I find my delight in your commands, which I love. <clears throat> Let's pray that God would give us grace to meditate on his word day and night. Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Pray that God would give us grace to walk wisely, making the most of our time in order to understand the will of the Lord. Ephesians 5.15-17 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray that God would give us grace to be individuals in a church that is devoted to prayer. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And lastly, Pray that God would give us grace to rely on the Spirit to help us pray even in our weaknesses. 
Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we ought to, for we, not, for we do not know what to pray as, for as we ought. I keep getting that tongue tied. I memorized it in a different translation, so forgive me. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So let's gather in our circles, and let's look at these as they uh, roll up on the screen every once in a while to remind you. And let's spend about 10 minutes together in prayer. Then at the end, I will come up and close us in prayer, and we'll start the meal. Heavenly Father, we pray. We thank you for our time here tonight. Father, we pray that you would help us to be a spiritual people, a people of your spirit. Lord, immersed in your word with a heart to obey and immersed in prayer with a heart to draw near. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.